Welcome to Living Room Worship with Ethos. We are so glad you're here and joining us today. We long to be with you in person, meeting together as a family once more. Obviously, we can't do that right now, but the day is coming when we will be able to. Your elders believe it's best not to meet together until we can do so with at least some sense of normalcy. We don't know when that will be, but we're hoping and praying that it will be soon. So until that time, we will gather here and we'll pray and sing and gather around God's Word. And we trust that our worship will be pleasing to Him. Charlie, lead us in worship. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If you like what you see, be sure to give us a like and uh, let us know how we're doing in the comment section. Our call to worship comes from John 2.2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. That makes me want to worship. I'm glad to know that Jesus loves us so much that he accepts us as we are. He atoned for our sins on the cross. And his mercy is more than we can even really fathom with our limited view of love as as we are now. But... Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for your abundant mercy. Thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for finishing the work on the cross, that there's nothing left for us to do, that you've done it all. Thank you for showing us what it really means to be truly, fully human, to live life to the fullest. We thank you and we praise you and we ask that this worship would bless you. Amen. Let's sing Scandal of Grace. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in the absence of a wrong. My sin washed away in your blood. Much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall Scandal of grace You died in my place My soul will live Oh, to be like you I give all I have just to know No one beside you Forever the hope in my heart Death, where is your sting? 
my sin The cross has taught me to live Mercy in my heart now to sing The day and its troubles shall come I know that your strength is enough Scandal of grace You died in my place And my soul will live Oh, to be like you I give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Forever the hope in my It's all because of you, Jesus. It's all because of your love in my soul. And it's all because of you, Jesus. It's all because of you, Jesus. It's Sing, I will worship. At the cross alone, we find life through the blood, the wrath of God satisfied. At the cross, all our guilt and our shame Was placed on Jesus, He took it away Lord, we come We are desperate for Your love At the cross, Lord, we 
find life Through the blood the wrath of God satisfied At the cross all our guilt and our shame Was placed on Jesus, He took it away Desperate for your love I will worship I will bow down Holy are you Lord I will worship I will cry out Love, I don't deserve you Pour out willingly There's none who compares You alone satisfy me This love, I don't deserve you Pour out willingly You pour out willingly And I will worship I will bow down Thanks, Charlie. Hi, Ethos family. This is Tyler Gray, one of your elders, and I just wanted to say uh, we miss you. My family misses you. I'm sure uh, many of you, like us, uh, really miss going to Ethos, but we feel really blessed that that the, the staff have been able to give us a little bit of Ethos, um, bring it to us during this challenging time. And so... Um, you know, I'm going to say something hopefully that makes you feel a little more at home, if you will, and that is that uh, if you forget, the bathrooms are out the back door and to the right. And so, um, as we continue in worship this morning, let me pray for us before we dive into His Word. Father God, we... Um, we come before your sovereign throne this morning and we ask that you would touch the hearts and minds of your people as we um, worship virtually this morning. 
Lord, we are grateful that we can trust you to be merciful and gracious to us, even in challenging times like these. God, we confess that we have not loved you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And we have certainly not loved our neighbor as ourselves. God, please forgive us and lead us to the cross of your mercy and grace where our hearts can find true rest in you. Lord, uh, we thank you for the free gift of forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus, your Son. And it is only in his merit and work that we come to you today. And it's in his holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Abby, uh, feel free to take it away with the scripture reading this morning. Today's passage is John 11, 11 through 27. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, that means he is getting better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was having a good night's rest, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I wasn't there, because this will give you another opportunity to believe in me. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Martha and Mary on their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, when everyone else rises on resurrection day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me and will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Abby. We return today at our, for our look at the death and resurrection of Lazarus as recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. From this account, we know that Jesus really loved Lazarus. He was Jesus' friend. He loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Their relationship, as we find in Scripture, was very affectionate and close. Mary and Martha had sent for Jesus when Lazarus fell sick. They knew that if Jesus was there, that he would be able to heal his friend Lazarus. But now Lazarus is dead. They were grieving their brother. In our passage, we find that Jesus said something fascinating to me. He says to his disciples that he was glad that he was not there when Lazarus died. Those are strange words. You have to admit, I can't fathom ever saying those words. 
He died, and I'm glad that I was not there. I can't fathom that. I can't fathom being not being there for my loved ones when they pass or uh, my friends when they pass to say, I'm glad I was not there. It makes me think that Jesus comes from a different vantage point than we do on the subject of death. He had no qualms staying away until Lazarus had been dead four days so that he could raise him from the dead. During this time, Mary and Martha and all of Lazarus' friends were grieving and mourning the passing of their brother and friend. And Jesus was okay with it. He was glad that he wasn't there. You see, he placed a greater value on them believing that he was the Messiah than any given emotion or feelings of the moment. It's so much different than I operate. Far too often, I'm afraid. Whenever someone is experiencing grief or loss or pain, I just want to rush in and fix it. But Jesus... He is not that way. He has a better perspective than I do. Because he had a better understanding and view about death, he didn't rush to his friend's side. In Jesus' view of death, you see in John chapter 11 that there is not a hint of fear. There is sorrow and there's grief. He wasn't cold. He certainly was not uh, without feeling for their grief. We find in verses 33 through 36 that he was so deeply moved at their sorrow and grief that he wept with them. But a careful looking at this passage, you will see that he did not grieve for Lazarus. He wept for the sorrow of Mary and Martha, but he didn't grieve for Lazarus. When he speaks of the death of Lazarus, he speaks of it as simply falling asleep. There's much to consider in this analogy of death and sleep. May I suggest three ways that death is like sleep? First of all, sleep is harmless. There is nothing to fear in sleep. In fact, I'm a great fan of sleep. Sleep is my friend. It is not my enemy. In a similar fashion, death is harmless to the believer. My friend, do you believe that is true? It is natural to be anxious about the unknown or suffering on the way to death. But death itself is harmless to the follower of Jesus. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death, where's your sting? 
See, Paul writes that death has no sting for the one who entrusts his soul to Jesus. Kind of like a hornet who no longer has his stinger. It can buzz you. It can sound so threatening, but it cannot harm you. David refers to the harmlessness of death in Psalm 23. He writes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That picture is pretty graphic. David says that death is no more harmful to you than a shadow. I don't know about you, but I've been startled by shadows. I've jumped at shadows. My heart has raced when I've seen a shadow. But there's never been any danger from a shadow. You see, for the follower of Jesus Christ, all the horror of death, everything there was to fear about death, Jesus bore on the cross so many years ago. Jesus tasted the horror of death by bearing the sin, our sin on that day. He did it so that we might not ever have to fear that specter of death. Everything that could harm us in death, everything that could harm us even associated with death, He removed. All that is left that could harm us is but a shadow. He experienced the real thing so that we would not have to. In 1776, the year of the American Revolution, there was a pastor by the name of Augustus Toplady who is walking across a field in Somersetshire, England. A severe thunderstorm sprang up suddenly and he was caught miles from home. Looking around, he saw in a massive rock a crack a cleft, and so he crawled into that cleft and waited out the storm, safe, dry, and secure. He started thinking about his experience, and he wrote some words on a little playing card that he found in the cleft of this rock. Some of the most beautiful words ever written in a hymn. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin, the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. And in the last verse he writes, While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. You see, my friend, all the guilt, 
all the power of sin are gone. Everything in death that could bring us harm is gone. The stinger is gone. The only thing left now is the shadow, all because of what Jesus has done for us. Sleep is harmless. But secondly, sleep is restful. There is nothing like sleep after a really hard day's work. Sleep brings relief from our weariness. Ecclesiastes 5 says the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. In our passage, when the disciples thought that Lazarus was simply sleeping, they took it as a good sign that he would recover. What is it that you need most when you are sick or simply exhausted? Well, we know it's sleep. Sleep rejuvenates and refreshes. Death, like sleep, brings rest and refreshment for the follower of Jesus. My friends, sleep is a mercy, not a curse. All you have to do is miss out on sleep for a night or two, and you know just what a mercy it is. Ask any new mama who hasn't slept the night through for a month or two how precious sleep is. Or I have a friend who is working unbelievable hours into the middle of the night, day after day. Ask him how sweet rest is. Death, like sleep, is a mercy, not a curse. Death is when we can rest from our struggles. Rest with and from our struggles with sin and difficult relationships, disease and pain and sorrow. Death is when we rest. You see, death is indeed a mercy. In Revelation 14, John writes, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. To all you who are weary, to all of you who carry a load of grief, of sickness, or of pain, perhaps a load of loneliness, My friends, there is coming a day of rest. One day, we will no longer have to struggle and we will be forever refreshed. It will be a a time as sweet and as refreshing as a cool breeze on your face on a blistering hot day. You will receive rest that will last forever. Sleep is harmless. Sleep is restful, but sleep also is temporary. When you lie down to sleep, you rise again. Sleep 
is but momentary. And in the same way, sleep or death is temporary and fleeting. You and I will die. That is a given. But what also is a given is that when you lie down in death, you will immediately rise in a world prepared for you by Jesus himself. Let me ask you, how long is death? Did you answer forever? Most of us would, but that is not correct. Death has no duration. It is not even a moment in time. Death is but a passage from this world into the next. It is so brief that the Apostle Paul would write, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For this reason alone there is nothing to fear in death. To be absent here means to be present with Jesus. If I'm not here, I'm there. Paul could even go so far to say that to be there with Jesus is better than being here. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 1. Paul writes, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Far better? To be with Jesus is far better. Paul longed to be with Jesus. For Paul, there was no fear or dread or anxiety about being with Jesus. Death was simply the door to the room where Jesus is. I love to read about leaders and leadership, especially those leaders who who exhibit great leadership in difficult days. Winston Churchill is one of my favorite. He led England during World War II II, and was a great example of leadership in an impossible situation. Upon Churchill's death, his funeral was held in St. Paul's Church in London. At one point in the service, a bugler high up in the dome of St. Paul's, began to play Taps. Taps is the tune the bugler plays at the end of a military day. It is said that the large crowd that was there listened in hushed silence to that sad and mournful tune. Churchill's day was done. But as the sound of taps died away, the bugle sounded again. This time it wasn't taps. This time it was reveille. 
the call by which the military world begins a new day. My friend, the moment taps is played here for us on this earth is the moment reveille is played on the other side. My friends, we need not pretend that there is not a lot of anxiety in our world right now. My goodness, most of the people who listen to this probably have not heard more have probably heard more about death in these last couple months than they have in their whole life. So, I understand about the anxiety. I do. It is human to fear the unknown, to fear suffering, to fear the permanency of death. But Jesus communicates very clearly that death for the believer holds nothing to fear. My friend, let me encourage you to look to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now ponder with me for a moment what the writer just said, who for the joy set before him. The joy set before him? What, what joy was that? For Jesus, the joy that was set before him was being again with his Father in his Father's presence, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross lay in the path between Jesus and being with his Father. Jesus found the joy of being with his Father so attractive, so to be desired, that he willingly despised the shame and endured the greatest act of suffering this world has ever known. He knew that death stood between him and being with his Father, and so he gladly and willingly endured death for the joy that was set before him, the joy of being with his Father. My dear friend, Jesus took away everything there was to fear in death. Now, for the follower of Jesus, death is the means by which he brings us into his own presence to be with him and experience the joy of the presence of our Savior. If we can grasp this one great reality, we can join with the Apostle Paul and say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let's pray together. 
Our Father, we long to be with you. I pray that you would bring these truths to our mind when tempted to fear. Move in our hearts and minds that we might understand the truth about the joy that is set before us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you His peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord bless you.